All right, everybody, it's the Hoops Observer. So today I'm going to be talking about my experience at NBA All-Star Weekend 2019 here in Charlotte, North Carolina. So what I'll be doing is I'll be breaking down some of my personal experiences that I was able to get into. Um, I'll also be talking about just general activities and festivities that the NBA sponsored in the Charlotte area to keep the city entertained. And of course, we'll take some time to talk about the games and the various other actual all-star events that transpired at that time. But if you have not already, please leave a like, subscribe, and I hope you guys enjoy my recap of my NBA All-Star Weekend experience. All right, so let's get it going on. Now, um, I'm going to try to do this more in chronological order than anything as far as detailing the events. I'm going to start from that Friday, and then I'm just going to take you guys through my weekend. Then throughout there, we'll sprinkle some commentary on things like the dunk contest and the three-point shootout, the actual games. Um, so first off, so this all started on Friday morning. My uh, cousin had flown in from New Jersey, and we had said, all right, we want to go see first take. Um, we'd actually went to the 2017 NBA Finals. I'll likely discuss that in a little more detail um, at another time. But, uh, you know, to get on those shows, whether it's Undisputed or First Take, you have to get there really early because it's first come, first serves, and the line will walk all the way around the door. So um, we woke up at like 5 o'clock that morning, maybe even earlier. I'm just going to say 5 to give us a safe number. Um, by the time we got up, got ready for the day, we got there a little before six and there was already about like, you know, 40, 50 people in line, which is kind of standard. You you want to get to those things if you ever plan on going to them, probably about at least two hours early, maybe even more than that, um, just depending on the show and the area. But so we get there at about, you know, a little before six and it's pretty cold outside. It's not terrible. It's like low 40s. Um, so not terrible. Luckily we address for the occasion, but you know, you're waiting outside. It's kind of cold. Um, you're just standing in line. So obviously your legs are probably getting a little tired. More people start to show up. It's kind of cool because you interact with the fans. You know, um, this one was a little bit more general discussion than like, you know, when I went to the finals, when I went to the finals, like the only topic of conversation was Warriors versus Cavs. That was like the only topic of conversation. Whereas, you know, at the All-Star game, you talk about the NBA in general. You know, we even branched out and talked about other sports. So it was a good time. You hang out with the fans. They got like a little crew member or so that comes out every 15 to 20 minutes that reviews the process. You know, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take you guys in groups of 15. Um, we start, you know, we're going to open the doors around 8 o'clock. The show starts at 10, um, so on and so on. So they keep you entertained. You know, they come out every so often just to say, you know, hey, here's who we got on the show. Do you, you know, to kind of get the crowd hype, keep the crowd engaged because it gets tiring after a while. Towards the end, right before they opened the door, the lines definitely started to get a little bit wrapped around the Bank of America Stadium, which I don't know how many people who listen to this who've been to Bank of America Stadium, but it's obviously the football stadium for the Carolina Panthers. And it's just quite a lot of people. So, um, Unfortunately, that's why you get there early, right? Because you can be cut off. It's first come, first serve, and they could usually only fit about a certain amount of people. So we get there early because, quite frankly, it's the only way that you can ensure a good seat. Now, we did get pretty good seats, so we were fortunate in that aspect. 
So at about 8.15 or so, they start letting people in. But that itself is a process because, you know, you got to let everybody in. Groups of 15, you literally were crammed on an elevator. Um, so it took a little bit of while to get everyone in. But it was in the club room at the Bank of America Stadium. So it's like any other clubhouse in the arena, right? You have concession stands, full staff there working to get you some food, some drinks, whatever you need. Um, everyone is able to sit down, hang out, kind of get the optics. Uh, then from there, you know, Molly came out first. She was kind of talking to the crowd a little bit, um, taking some selfies with some fans, things like that. Um, I didn't really get a chance to interact with her, but she was definitely there interacting with the crowd. Uh, then the producer came out, kind of gave us a run through, say, all right, you know, here's what you need to do. When we go, when we do this, we need you guys to do that. So on and so on. Um, so Stephen A. Smith came out shortly after that. He was probably the most interactive out of all of them. And that's not a slight to any of them because, you know, they can do whatever they want. Um, you know, they're there to do the job. So but he was really um, taken to talking to fans. He talked about how he went to school at Winston Salem State, which isn't too far from Charlotte, how it felt good to be home. Um, you know, talking trash, of course, as well. Uh, Max. Kind of didn't really come out until the show started, but that's okay because um, he was he was a pretty funny guy. Um, <laughs> I remember he was he, he's the same person off the camera as he is on the camera in the sense um, they one of the producers. What they do during the commercial breaks to keep the crowd engaged is they come out and they'll ask random trivia questions. They might say, for instance, who leads the NBA in rebounds? And then if you get it right, you get a prize. So um, off topic, the one of the producers asked who they thought the best boxer was. So during the commercial break, they all kind of got up, relieved themselves, um, kind of took a break from sitting in those chairs and on that stage. And a lot of the fans were saying Muhammad Ali. So when Max came and, and sat down, uh, somebody had said to him, one of the producers had said to him, you know, Max, who's the best boxer of all, all time? And he said, oh, Sugar Ray Leonard, no question, not a question. <laughs> and uh, so the fans were letting him have it. And he was having a good time, of course. Um, so that was pretty cool just to see them all kind of interact. They were really down to earth. Um show was a lot of fun right um because not only did you get to actually see it in person which was kind of cool um you would see the guests as they were getting ready to come on there was quite a few people there um you got to see the original isaiah <laughs> i say original but you know isaiah thomas the one that played for the pistons not the one that's um playing for the nuggets currently so you got to see him he got to talk a little bit about his you know perspective on things Mike Conley Jr. was there. Um, I thought his interview was probably the most interesting. They were asking him, when I say they, Stephen A. and Max, were asking him pretty pointed questions and, and about his future. And he kind of, you know, I don't know how many of you guys have seen that clip, but he kind of left the door open by saying, hey, I, I'm, I'm ready to win. I've put, I've put in work. So I thought that was, um, I thought that was pretty interesting that he was, you know, kind of saying it without saying that he was ready to move on i know there was a lot of rumors that he was going to get traded i think utah was the leading suitor but i know um there was also another rumor which was involving toronto mark got shipped there but i there was originally a deal that had him and mark for kyle lowry and valachunas and then i think some other miscellaneous players on each side but that deal happened to fall through because Obviously, the Raptors would, no offense, but the Raptors would have gotten a way better deal on Conley and Gasol 
than the Grizzlies would have gotten in Valachunas and Lowry. Just my two pennies on that one. Um, but it was good. I, I enjoyed that. He was pretty candid. Uh, Ron Rivera from the Panthers. He's the Panthers head coach. He was there. Um, he was just talking about some injuries that the team has had, how they're going to go forward. Um, JB Smooth, the comedian, was there. He was hilarious. He had a show in Charlotte later that night. So he was he was there promoting a little bit. And he was talking for us. I mean, that guy's just hilarious. I'm a big fan of his on Curb Your Enthusiasm. He, Those of you who are interested in Curb Your Enthusiasm, he says the new season's coming soon. So uh, just hang tight. And then <laughs> Ryan Hollins was there, but Ryan Hollins got booed out the building. Um, <laughs> there was something else that was said to him, but I'm going to be nice and, and keep that off the record for now. Um, uh, but there was a few things that were yelled at him. But uh, you know, he he came in really strong talking about how LeBron was was better than Jordan. And you gotta think you're in Charlotte, Michael Jordan owns the team and Tar Heels, UNC Tar Heels as a whole are represented pretty well. They're probably the most popular team in North Carolina. I think they're a little more popular than Duke. They definitely have a bigger um alumni. I guess I should say there's definitely a lot more people that went to Chapel Hill than what went to Duke. But that's neither here nor there. Um, But you're obviously in Jordan's backyard, so you're obviously going to get booed. And it was kind of funny because, you know, Stephen A. and Max were both just like, dude, what are you talking about? Jordan's to go, which I agree with 100 percent. But it was just funny nonetheless. Um, So from there, you know, it's a great show. Great time. Um, After the show was over Stephen a smith was actually hanging out for a little bit he took some selfies with the fans took some pictures i got to interact with him a little bit so that was pretty cool um i gotta admit i had a really good time there um so i think that's something if they ever come to your city you should definitely go check out if you're just a a fan of the show in general um i also went to undisputed in 2017 and i'll I'll talk about that at later a time but Nonetheless, it was two different experiences, but get to experience both of them. It was it was a really good time. So um, after that, we had tickets. We went back uh, to get ready because we had tickets for the Rising Stars game that we wanted to attend. Because you guys, you know, you got to understand that is a uh, marathon <laughs> going to those events. You know, you get up at five, you get in the re- the building at eight. The show's eight to ten. Then you get out before you notice twelve, and you got to get ready to go to the game right after so um after that we went to the rising stars game so i went to this with my wife my cousin uh, one of my best friends his wife we had a really good group um we wanted to get to the downtown area a little early before the game too so we can hang out um the first thing we did once we got to uptown charlotte was we went to the Epicenter, which um, if any of you have been to Charlotte before, you know what I'm talking about. But if you haven't, it's just a it's just a big area downtown with a bunch of clubs, bars, restaurants, just a general hangout spot that a lot of people in Charlotte go to on the weekends. Um, but they had NBA had set up courtside studios um, with multiple fan experiences pop-up shops things of that nature um, we'll go into a little bit more detail as to what some of those look like here shortly on later on um, but for now we'll go ahead and talk a little bit about our experience at the rising stars game when you get to the um, arena you, you saw it's a lot different 
it's usually covered in Hornets logo and Hornets players, but that was all completely changed. There was pictures of all-stars like Kyrie, LeBron. Obviously, they saw something for Kemba, and rightfully so. Um, but you get there, so you get to check out the arena. The team store is now the NBA All-Star store, not the Hornets team store. So that was cool. You got to go in. They had gear, um, all the All-Star paraphernalia you could think of. Plus, they actually had All-Star par- paraphernalia. Excuse me from the 1991 all-star game which was actually the last time that charlotte had a all-star game or had hosted the all-star game i should say but the game itself man the game was we get to the game we had pretty good seats it, it was a really awesome experience i mean this is different you know than just seeing the average game not every single game but this is one of the games where you go there's just an abundant amount of talent um, Team World had some players that I think are really good and really on the rise. Um, obviously, Team World and Team USA, they're made up of rookies and sophomores. They had Team World had, you know, DeAndre Ayton, DeAndre Ayton, excuse me, uh, Luka, Bogdan Bondanovich, SGA um, for the Clippers fans out there, Shy Gilgis Alexander, um, Lori Markinen, Chetty Osman. Um, and of course, everyone's favorite rookie for the third consecutive year, Ben Simmons, was there hooping. Team USA uh, was clearly a better team, though, and that's no disrespect. Uh, but the talent, when you look at Team USA, I mean, you had Jason Tatum, Kyle Kuzma, Marvin Bagley, Trey Young, De'Aaron Fox, John Collins, uh, Donovan Mitchell, Jaron Jackson, Jared Allen, Kevin Knox from the Knicks is also a really underrated player. Lonzo Ball was supposed to play, but unfortunately he had gotten hurt and he's still hurt to this day because they shut him down for the season. But at the time he was hurt and unable to play. I was kind of at the time I was kind of hoping that he had played just to kind of see him and see where he really stacks up with some of his peers. But unfortunately, that didn't happen. Then the game started, of course. Um, they did the introductions, everything. It was it was kind of interesting. Um, you had Dirk and Kyrie as assistants to Team World and Team USA, respectively. Wes Unseld was the head coach of Team World, and then Darvin Ham was the uh, head coach for Team USA. So Darvin Ham and Kyrie paired off, and then uh, Wes and Dirk paired off. So that was pretty cool coaching staff as well. It was a lot of fun. You could tell everyone wasn't taking it too seriously, and there was just highlights left and right. I remember one of the John Collins throwing it off the backboard, Donovan Mitchell um, catching for a nice slam, Kyle Kuzma going in for slams. Ben Simmons opened the dunk with a – I mean, excuse me, Ben Simmons opened the game with a nasty slam. Um, points were going left and right. Team USA, they got out early 40 to 30 at the end of the first quarter, and you kind of felt like Team USA was going to win. Uh, Team World, they, they kind of made it close here and there. In fact, DeAndre Ayton cut it down to one point. Um, it was 113 to 114 with about a minute left in the third. But then after that, Team USA outscored them 10 to 3 to be up 123-117 at the end of the third. Then in the fourth quarter, uh Donovan Mitchell, Trey Young made three threes in a row. Trey made two. Donovan made one. Uh, Kevin Knox slammed at home. And then you Team USA put was up uh, about 134-121 with about seven minutes left. 
They Team World tried to make it close again, but Kuzma put Team USA up 15 with about 146 to 131. Um, off a pass from Trey Young with about four minutes left, and it was pretty much over. Team World made it close from time to time, but unfortunately, Team World just had a—I mean, excuse me—Team USA just had a little bit more talent overall on them. Um, some notable performances: Kyle Kuzma was the MVP with 35 points. Ben Simmons had 28 points on 14 for 17 shooting. Um, For those of you doing your math, 14 times 2 is 28, so there was obviously no threes or free throws involved, but still a very efficient game for Ben Simmons. Um, Tatum had 30 points. He shot 6 for 14 from 3, but... I just felt like when you watched Jason Tatum shoot the three-pointer, it just felt like it was going in every time. The defense wasn't as tight as it might be in a typical NBA game. Um, But all in all, he was impressive as well. I think he ended up with 30. Uh, Trey Young had 25 and 10, seven rebounds. So he almost messed around and had a triple-double. Young was also 6 for 11 on threes. Donovan had 20 points, nine assists, seven rebounds with five steals to boot. And then Donovan, I mean, excuse me, Darren Fox uh, ended up with two points, but the guy had 16 assists and five steals. So it's one of those games, obviously, where the the defense isn't as tight um, and the stats are obviously inflated a little bit. But sometimes as a fan, that's kind of cool, though. You get to see them really show their stuff and. With a little bit less defense, you really get to see them show off some of the talent that they have. So all in all, I had a really good time at that uh, game. My cousin and I, we made the joke later on that now we don't now we don't have to attend the 2024 All-Star game because we pretty much saw it there. And, you know, when you look at those teams, they're definitely full of future All-Stars. If I think almost every single one of these guys will probably on when i say almost every single one i'm referencing team usa but you know i'm thinking on team usa a lot of these guys have really good chances even uh some of the lesser known players like jaron jackson has a chance to be an all-star that guy's doing actually some pretty good work in in memphis right now he shut down for the year but he was having a pretty good season before um they shut him down so then after that Saturday morning, uh, my cousin and I went to NBA media day and then the all-star game practice, which was kind of an interesting experience. Um, it took place in the Bojangles Coliseum, which is an older Coliseum in Charlotte. Um, but, you know, it was, it was kind of good to go to. It was good that they were using all of the facilities that Charlotte had available to them. The Bojangles Coliseum was actually where they hosted the celebrity game as well that Friday night. Um, but, you know, when you first get there, they had players taking questions for media day. So all those press conferences and items of that nature that you see, that's what we actually got to witness. Um, but at the same time, it was a little crowded. They would bring out all the players from the skills contest first. They had a little Wi-Fi set up. Because literally every single player who was taking place in the skills contest was answering questions at once. So they had this Wi-Fi system that you could tap into. So say, for instance, you wanted to listen to Kyle Kuzma talk about the skills contest or you wanted to listen to Trey Young talk about the skills contest. You could you could tune into any player and you could switch back and forth. Um, then they did the same thing with the uh, dunk contest and the three-point shootout as well. So they just brought everyone out, had them answer some quick questions. 
unless you were in the all-star game now if you were in the actual all-star game you didn't come out until the teams were practicing so what i mean by that is players who are in like the three-point contest for instance like damian lillard or steph curry they didn't actually come out until the all-stars came out themselves but any other player who's in the three-point contest you know let's say joe harris um seth curry players like that they came out and answered questions at that time so they went through, you know, the Rising Stars, the dunk contest, the three-point shootout. They went everyone through there. Um, in between breaks, they'd have the hype men from various teams. I think they had the guy from the Sacramento Kings and one of the people, one of the women from the Indiana Pacers pep rally squad. So it was a good time. It, it felt like a game, right? Because when they were changing sets, you know, they would be given ways and they would ask people questions in the stands. You also had a lot of. Um, OG Charlotte Hornets there. Um, I saw Glenn Rice, Muggsy Bogues, Del Curry. I'm pretty sure I saw Alonzo Mourning there as well, Um, giving interviews and interacting with the fans. So it's really good experience, and it was really cool that it it was kept local in a sense. They they really honored the Charlotte Hornets tradition and those who paved the way for the current Hornets in the current All-Star game. Then, of course, the uh, actual All-Star teams came out to answer questions. So you had Team Giannis come out first. And then you had Team LeBron come out second, and they were just, you know, like I said, just kind of answering general questions, like the things you would see on NBA TV, or if you go online and you Google NBA All-Star Game Media Day, you would see those same things that we were witnessing there. So that was a good experience, um, but, you know, after a while, that that's okay, but, you know, you're actually coming for the actual practice, so... Uh, once they finished all the press conferences, then from there, they, they brought out Team Giannis first. So it's kind of cool because they do intros like it was the real game. They'll be like, you know, all right, introducing. And, you know, they'll bring out all the players. Um, Team Giannis, <laughs> they um, they didn't practice as hard as Team LeBron. I'll, I'll say that Team Giannis was a little more lax, whereas Team LeBron, they were actually out there running plays. I don't know if that's... Um, because of the coaches, whether Boonhauser was giving Team Giannis some lax time or if Mike Malone was dead serious with Team LeBron. I'm not exactly sure how that works, but Team LeBron, they were out there really running passing drills efficiently, and it was a pretty cool thing to watch. Um, they they um, took some time. They played some games as well. Like They had all the players line up at half court, and if they hit a certain amount of half court shots, the audience would get some prizes. So that was pretty cool as well just to kind of see it in person. Um, now maybe team LeBron taking it a little more serious is why they won the game and, and maybe not. I, I don't really know. I felt like team LeBron talent wise was definitely had more vets, uh, you know, cause I made like an observation, right? When I was looking at team Giannis, it was a lot of first and second year all-stars, uh, D'Angelo for team Giannis, right? Like D'Angelo, Chris Middleton, Nikola Jokic, Nikola Vucevic, um, not to say anything about these players, right? Because they're obviously all-stars, so they're extremely talented. But, you know, LeBron, or Team LeBron, I should say, had a lot more established vets. Kyrie, Durant, Harden, um, Damian Lillard, Dwayne Wade, Clay Thompson. Guys who had been the all-star game several times before, um, which made it, you know, it was almost like old versus new, and I think, you know, when we get to talking about the game, that played into it, but I'm going to hold off my thoughts on that for now. Instead, what I'm going to do now is transition to the events that happened on Saturday night and just give some general thoughts. Um, 
obviously at this point the all-star game happened roughly about a month ago so if you're a fan of the nba you're already familiar but i'll still give a little bit of a take on each of the events the skills contest is really or skills challenge i should say is really starting to grow on me um i like the way that they incorporate both guards like you know De'Aaron fox trey young Mike Conley, but they also have some of the bigger guys in there. Nikola Jokic, uh, Nikola Vucevic. Uh, I guess if you want to consider Kyle Kuzma a big guy, I would. I mean, he plays power forward. <laughs> Shoot, sometimes he starts center for the Lakers. Uh, he's 6'9". So I would consider him a big guy. So I do like how it's not just all point guard oriented. And I think it shows how much the big man position in the NBA has evolved, how they're able to put the ball on the ground and and dribble and shoot threes, you know, because a lot of the the old school big guys before them, um, you know, like Shaq, Hakeem, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, guys of that nature, they really weren't known for their handles or their three-point shooting. Now, they all were really good. I mean, in fact, the sky hook by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar might be, to this day be the most unguardable shot of all time in any other player i i would you know you probably take the sky hook i mean over any other shot but that's neither here nor there so i i do think that was cool um I, I, it was, uh, I know Trey Young had to be a little pissed because Jason Tatum hit that half court shot to beat him, but you know, Hey, it is what it is. And, and, you know, um, it was just a good time, obviously. Right. I, I think I know when Trey Young was going against Luca, you could tell he really, he really wanted that one. That's for sure. Because of all the, uh, and maybe rightfully so, right. All the trash talk about how, the Hawks made a terrible decision trading him for Luka Doncic, which, you know, my last podcast I talked about might not might have actually been a better trade for the Hawks in the long run because now they're going to get Dallas's first round pick this year along with their own first round pick. So they could potentially have two picks in the top eight this year to pair with Trey Young and John Collins. So um, if you haven't already listened to that one, go listen to my um, podcast on that. It's the Hoops Observations for um, March 8, 2019, where I do talk about why I think the Hawks and Trey Young led team are going to be a powerhouse in the east before you know it but um so that that was a good time um after that was the dunk contest you know overall i um you you know i wish i could say i was impressed i think the dunks were good once they got them off but it was just the miss attempts like for me i think for instance dennis smith might have won the whole dunk contest if he could have dennis smith jr that is might have won the whole dunk contest if he was able to get his dunks right the first or the second time i mean if he was able to some because you could tell he was really trying something but unfortunately after a while you do even you know someone like myself I was pulling for him. I would not have minded to see uh, Miles Bridges win it for, um, you know, just the city of Charlotte because he's a Hornet, right? To see him win it for the city of Charlotte. Personally, I was pulling for Dennis Smith Jr. I'm just kind of a fan of his in general. So um, I do think that Diallo, the, the Superman dunk over Shaq, was probably the best individual dunk of the night, if you wanted my opinion on that. Um, but... All in all, if it was something, the dunk contest is something now where it's just different. I will say this, though, before I 
um, switch gears here. I will say that John Collins had the most creative dunk with the plane. Um, unfortunately, I think he clipped it on his way out, but that was probably the most creative dunk. And unfortunately, right now, um, the dunk contest just seems a little bit stale. It was always my favorite event growing up during All-Star Weekend. Uh Maybe because I was spoiled and especially that NBA dunk contest of the year 2000, which pretty much uh, solidified that as my favorite thing in the All-Star Weekend. Even before then, it was like when Kobe won it. That was really cool and and so on. Uh, But... I will say the dunk contest has had its ups and downs. You know, the the old heads like to make you think that it was always great in the 90s. But if you go back and you look at some of those, like when Daryl Armstrong was in the dunk contest, it was was a little revisionist history. It wasn't always great in the 90s. Um, Now, maybe in the late 80s, early 90s, when, you know, you had Jordan and Dominique going at it. Now, that's a whole different Mm ballgame. You won't catch me saying anything bad about that one Um, or those that era. But, you know, some of the other mid 90s, you know, it's kind of revisionist history. And it's just a generational thing. Oh, well, back in my day, you know, we were so much better. It's all perception. Uh, (laughs) One day, you know, this generation will be saying the same thing to a new generation 20 years from now. But moving on, so what is becoming my new favorite event of the All-Star Weekend is the three-point contest. And, you know, I was looking at the scores, right? And I remember growing up, the NBA three-point contest was like okay, but, you know, it it didn't always have the best players in it. Like, I think this three-point contest had a lot of really great players. I mean... Kemba Walker, Damian Lillard, Steph Curry, uh, Devin Booker, um, Chris Milton, who was also an all-star. Dirk was in it, which was kind of cool just to see him go through it one more time. And then you had a couple up-and-coming players like Buddy Heald, for instance, kind of sticks out to me as someone who's on the rise and could potentially be a big player in the NBA one day. (laughs) We've come a long way from when Jason Capono won back-to-back three-point shooting contests in 2007-2008. We have came a long way because, you know, those of you who followed the game, three-point shooting was more of a skill set and more of... um, like a role player thing, you know, like you had a Steve Kerr, right? Like you had a sharpshooter, but it wasn't necessarily your best player. Um, That didn't really start up until recently where one of your best players could be a three-point marksman. And I'm not saying like no player in NBA history was a star player that could shoot three-pointers up until recently, but You know, when you look at the marksmanship now of Steph Curry, it's just on another level. And James Harden, to an extent, too, both of them have hit 300 threes in a season, which they're the only players to do, period. So you have to just tip your hats off to them. You know, they're getting it done. Um, James Harden's a little more volume, but at the end of the day, 300 three-pointers is 300 three-pointers. You know, whereas when they were younger, right, Bird was a pretty good three-point shooter, but, like, Magic wasn't a lockdown three-point shooter. Uh, Michael Jordan definitely wasn't a lockdown three-point shooter, despite the fact um, that he was a really good scorer. He wasn't a good three-point shooter. You know, he had Steve Kerr. So, um It's come a long way now, and especially when you look at the scores, right? You know, when you look at round one, what it took Steph Curry, Buddy, and um, Joe Harris to advance, 27 for Steph, 26 for Buddy, and um, 25 for Joe Harris, we've we've come a long way since the 
three-point contest in the 2000 NBA All-Star Game where Jeff Hornacek beat Dirk 13-11. So you definitely would have crushed it if you were shooting this good you know, back then. So it's just a testament to how uh, more important the three-point shot is and, and how far it's really evolved and become an essential piece and really just how much work these players put in. I mean, like kudos to these players to get that good. I mean, it's, it doesn't come easy, right? The money doesn't make itself as it likes as the saying goes. So, um, and then the finals, how about Joe Harris? Wow. Beat Steph Curry by two points and he had barely gotten in because, um, if you remember, Danny Green and Devin Booker were right on his heels at 23 each. Oh, Joe Harris went first, but Joe Harris made his very last shot to get 25. And Dan, Danny Green and Devin Booker both had 23. So maybe they, you know, they being Danny Green or Devin Booker make one more shot and maybe Joe Harris doesn't. Yeah, it switches it up. But, um, you know, we're not a, I'm not a coulda, woulda, shoulda guy, so... You know, congrats to Joe Harris. He earned it. And um, I thought it was cool, like, you know, because it looked like it was Steph's to win, especially after the first round. I mean, the guy came out 27 points, right? It looks like it was his to win. Um, But you can't, you know, you can't hold your head down too far, 24 to 26. Like I said, those numbers are are crushing where we were in the NBA about uh, 20 years ago. So um, kudos to them and you know, it was an event that I really enjoyed, and I'm looking forward to more three-point shootouts in the future. So before I go and talk about the All-Star game just in general terms, I'm going to take a moment just to talk about what the city looked like during this time as well. Um, I had mentioned a little bit earlier at the Epicenter in Charlotte, NBA Courtside Studios, sponsored by Mountain Dew. Because um, trust me, <laughs> if you were there, you saw the Mountain Dew logo everywhere. Um, but nonetheless, they, they had a lot of activities going on. Uh, one of the cool things they had was uh, Courtside Studios. They, um, you got to take a picture with the Larry O'Brien trophy, which I thought was pretty cool. I'd always dreamed of holding that trophy one day. Granted, a much different uh, capacity than you know visiting as a tourist, more so as a player. But unfortunately, I never really had the the skills to make it that far. But that was cool. Um, you got to take around. They showed you some pop-up shops in there as well they showed you some historic nba events as well some pictures um they had a bunch of cool events there they had like the shot clock drill where they put 24 seconds on the clock and you would take a few shots from right below the free throw line then the other wing of the free throw line then some a three-pointer or two um and then the winner would be entered into a drawing for a russell westbrook jersey i believe um so that was cool. They had the NBA 2K exhibition, which for I'm sure a lot of you play 2K um, or at least have heard of the NBA 2K franchise games at this point. So that was pretty cool. They they had some videos, you know, demonstrating how they made it behind the scenes stuff. They also let you um, play that game. And then the NBA, I think it was Playgrounds as well. It was kind of like the NBA street game to me that that NBA Playgrounds game was kind of like a hybrid to me of like NBA streets and NBA jam. Like that's kind of what that game was, but it still was a lot of fun. Um, they had lots of pop-up shirts. You could custom make jerseys there. Um, they had, um, you know, like these authentic NBA shoes. They had this, um, 
NBA owners experience, which was at the Mint Museum in Charlotte. I'm, I'm kind of uh, this was the one event that I missed. Just it, it, your schedule. You guys will understand if you've gone or it, when you will go. Your schedule gets so packed um, with you know because there's so much to do. You'll just never really see it all. Um, but you know this was one that I kind of wish I had been able to go. They had the the owners experience at the Mint Museum here in Charlotte. They actually had those Back to the Future self-tying Nike. So any of you guys who've seen Back to the Future where the shoes self-lacing and tie themselves, they they had that there. Uh, They had some game-worn Jordans on display. Um, They had other Nike shoes and other game-worn Nike apparel from players who were sponsored by Nike. Um, They had a lot of guest speakers there. I know Jay Williams was doing some speeches. I I saw Charlemagne the God was there. So they had, like, lots of celebrities in town. I actually got to talk to Andrew Schultz for a minute, Um, those of you guys who listen to the Brilliant Idiots podcast. So that was pretty cool. Um, but there was just a lot of celebrities. You would just kind of see them just out in the public. Um, the place to be, I'll tell you right now, the place to be was the Ritz-Carlton in Charlotte, right outside the epicenter. Um, it's You could literally walk to the arena in like less than five minutes from the Ritz-Carlton. And you could get to the epicenter where all the activities were. Um, you, you know, you could get there pretty quickly. Uh, there were people just camped out at the Ritz-Carlton just all day. Like some people didn't even go out and like do the activities. They just were celebrity stalking so to say they would just hang out at the Ritz Carlton and take pictures with you know I saw some people Yo Gotti, Mark Cuban, uh, Cam Newton, Magic Johnson, Greg Olson just to name drop a few I didn't actually see some of these these were just some pictures that I saw Um, I saw someone took a selfie with Rich Paul which was interesting I'd never seen a Rich Paul selfie before so that was interesting in itself Um, then some of the bigger celebrities they didn't they kind of snuck them out through the back door like for instance LeBron James and J. Cole were two that come to mind as celebrities that a lot of people complained about because they were waiting outside for them forever and you know they just never showed and eventually the drivers or someone from security says you know kind of breaks the news to them they would not let you in there this is how serious it was they would not let you in there unless you had a room there that was the only way that that they would let you in so um yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna try to get it <laughs> in and see if I could, you know, just happen to like bump into someone in the lobby. But unfortunately, they didn't have it. Um, another place to be at was the the Marriott Center City, Uptown Charlotte. Um, a lot of the players were there. Um, I didn't get to. I, I was only there for a few hours. We were drinking at the uh, hotel bar just before we went out, but. Um, they had some people there like Kenny Smith was there. Um, if those of you guys who know Gary Vanderchuk or Gary V as he's called on the internet, the inspirational speaker, he was there with Nipsey Hussle. A lot of, they said a lot of retired players, um, stayed at the Marriott. So, uh, Kenny Smith, if I mentioned him already, but yeah, so they had a lot of people there as well. So there was just tons of places, lots to hang out, lots to do. Um, so all in all, it's it's just a great experience. Um, the game itself was was pretty cool. McMill um, had a good performance opening up. The game got started. Team Giannis pulled ahead early, and and I was just thinking to myself, like, what the f? Like, how? <laughs> just how? Um, but it, it slowly looked like um, at the time, you know, once. 
it seemed like, all right, like it's an old boxing strategy, right? I don't claim to be a boxing expert or anything of that nature, but I am familiar with the strategy of tiring out your opponent. Um, I think one person who comes to mind that made that famous was like Muhammad Ali. And what he would do was the first two thirds of the fight, he would just let you exert all your energy, right? Like he let you hit him, whatever, um, just exert all your energy. So by the the last third of the fight comes around. You're gassed. You're out of breath. Meanwhile, he's exerted next to minimal energy throughout this whole time, relatively speaking, for a boxer in that situation. And he just takes over from there and just beats you into submission. That's kind of what happened with Team Giannis and Team LeBron. But I do have to admit that one of the coolest plays that I saw was that Steph Curry bounce dunk to Giannis. That was awesome that I, I i made a joke to my cousin i was like man they, they must have rehearsed that when we were watching the game and then he was like nah dude we were at the project <laughs> we were at the practice they didn't rehearse that for nothing so uh it was just cool but like i said um team lebron came through damian lillard hit some big threes um clay played well obviously kevin durant took home the mvp and rightfully so uh, but it was just a great time. It was it was great for the city, and I think it was a really good opportunity for the city of Charlotte to showcase itself um, to just the people who probably haven't been. I mean, there was people from all over in Charlotte that weekend. There was people from New York, obviously a lot of Charlotteans, right? But people from New York, um, Florida. There was some people there that were all the way from Oakland. So it was a good time had by all. And like you know, I really feel proud of the city of Charlotte. We really did a good job of presenting ourselves well to people who haven't been here before. And it's funny how some things like the epicenter that you know local Charlotteans take for granted it blows some people away who have never seen it before. So. It's cool. Uh, you know, every city has that, right? Like, you know, for instance, if you go to California, I remember I was like, you know, at the Santa Monica Pier, like, whoa, this is crazy. But, you know, damn, some people go there like every day to run or, you know, to Venice Beach every day to run and do the Muscle Beach or whatever. So, um, yeah, I was really proud of the city of Charlotte and, you know, just everything was a great time. I know in twenty. 20 wow 2020 is already right around the corner um 2020 the all-star weekend will be in chicago and then 2021 it will be in indianapolis and then in 2022 it will be in cleveland so a lot of miss midwest uh all-star games going on in the future but if you're around those areas even if you're not directly in those cities just the general surrounding metropolitan area I highly encourage you to go. Um, you don't necessarily have to splurge on the big game. There, there's plenty of activities that you can do for little to no expense and just really get to learn more about the NBA and just the general um, atmosphere of those type of events are, are really something special. So um, I'm going to wrap it up from here. But once again, this is the Hoops Observer. If you guys enjoyed this, please leave a like, um, subscribe, and please feel free to leave any comments if I misrepresented something or something you guys want to add. Maybe you guys were there or maybe you guys have been to an all-star weekend in the past but i look forward to um, providing new content to you guys very soon and i hope you guys keep tuning in thanks very much and have a good day everyone oh yeah and shout out to j cole he had a great halftime performance during the nba all-star weekend as well so this will wrap it up once again it's the hoops observer uh thanks for tuning in and i'll be having new content very soon stay tuned